0: Every team, every topic, everywhere this is
1: believe. Vikings come out and play. Oh, wait a I see. Let me put some what are you with me now. Up, it. Cousins throws pass now listen to the Believe in Vikings
0: podcast with B-Mac and Baker.
2: Merry Christmas and welcome to Believe in Vikings. It is the Saints edition and the Yuletide edition because your Vikings will take on the Saints in New Orleans on Christmas Day. Um, tonight, we have Jonathan Vilma, Vilma on the show. He is doing color commentary for Fox now, and he is a former Jet and Saint and Super Bowl champion and Vikings nemesis. Uh, We also have Bryant McKinney, a Super Bowl champion, per usual. And then we have two of our analysts, uh, Wes from California and Ron from Eden Prairie. Uh, But first, we want to pay homage to our sponsor, and that's BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. Uh, The Vikings are about a touchdown underdog this week. It's eerily similar to the... Playoff game last year where the Vikings upset the Saints. The uh, the stakes were a little different then than they are now because the Vikings are close to being mathematically limited. But um, if you do believe in Vikings, uh, swing on over to betonline.ag and place your bets. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there is always the online casino that's open never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. The Vikings and Saints will uh, script the next installment in their rivalry that's kind of been born over the past five years. This time, the stakes are a little bit lower for the Vikings. They're almost ruled out playing playoff contention, whereas the Saints are battling for number two seed. So it's of ultra importance to them. Uh, tonight, we have Jonathan Vilma on the show. Um, the first thing I want to ask you, good sir, is you left uh, the game as a player about the same time Brian McKinney did, who's on with us. Um, and this year, you've joined Fox at, uh, for NFL Color Commentary. So uh, tell us about that. How do you like it?
1: I love it. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. It's about as close to the game as I want to get now without having to hit people like Brian McKinney anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey,
2: Brian, do you have any aspirations to do any type of broadcasting or just podcast? Maybe eventually
3: I was doing um, CBS course that's down here. Yeah. Um, but maybe eventually I will get back into it. Yeah. You would do excellent.
2: Well, welcome to the show, Jonathan. Uh, a couple of our Vikings folk here got some questions for you too.
4: Yeah. Jonathan, uh, Ron, my name's Ron here. Um, so having played the game at a high level and now making that transition into the booth, um, what are some similarities or parallels that you're able to draw from your playing days as far as preparation goes for uh, being that color guy?
1: Oh, man, the preparation is, is actually pretty much the same um, as, uh, and Brian Brian will remember this, our, our work weeks. You know, Sunday we play the game and then Monday, you know, we're going right into uh the next game you watch what I would do is watch my broadcast on Monday just like we would watch film of our game on Sunday and then from there it's you move on to the next week you start studying watching film so I try to treat it similar to the way I played where Monday um, as I mentioned watching with the Sunday game Tuesday I then start to look at uh, and it's not opponents anymore but I look at the two teams and I start to get a feel for them and you know, it, it makes it a lot easier for me when I'm watching the film all week long and Sunday, it's just easy to see what they're doing. And as I mentioned, you know, Big Mac knows he knows how you watch the film and then now you have the tendencies mm-hmm. and you can speak mm-hmm. freely before we used to play freely. Now I just speak right. freely on Sundays.
4: So, do you have a schedule laid out? Like, do you know weeks in advance where you're going, or is it kind of a case by case basis depending on the A team? Like, that's where they send.
1: So, I, I tell you what, Fox does the best job at keeping it a secret, man. They don't tell us. Until <laughs> the, you're talking like seven days out, eight days out, like you just don't know. And you know, do you, ha- it, do you have
2: places? Do you have places that you hope you go?
1: Anywhere warm. (laughs) (laughs) Or or dome. Anywhere warm or dome, and I'm good.
4: Uh, Jonathan, what's uh, one area you anticipate the Vikings to attack, either (laughs) offensively or defensively, uh, against the Saints team? Uh,
1: I see them going and attacking the edges. Uh, When you look at Jalen Hurts' uh, Philadelphia game and you look at uh, the Kansas City game, you know, they they did a good job of getting off tackle and kind of stretching the field, whether it was with off tackle runs, you know, fly sweeps, things of that nature. So I can really see – and then, you know, obviously quarterback scrambles. Kirk Cousins doesn't really scramble uh, like, uh, like a Mahomes can or Jalen Hurts does. Uh, but, you know, he has enough ability to get outside, especially with uh, Gary Kubiak's offense, the way that he likes to run, those stretches – those boots, those waggles. So um, I can see them really attacking the edges uh, stressing the outside linebackers and defensive ends in the run game.
2: Well, that's a nice segue. Cause Michael, so by serendipity, um, kind of on the schedule you talked about, you called two Vikings games um, in the last couple months. And in one of them, we, as the Vikings crowd, we couldn't tell you, you said that Kirk cousins was like a lie, uh, uh Quarterback in a line or a linebacker in a quarterback's body. We couldn't tell if you were poking fun at him or if, if you actually liked the man's game. So can you uh, tell us your your overall opinion on Kirk?
1: So definitely wasn't poking fun. So
2: <laughs> we get so even even our fan base pokes fun at our quarterback. So we were like, is he on this train too, or what the hell's going on?
1: No, no. So this is this is what happened. Uh, you know, we do the interviews, and Brian knows. We'll you interview some of the players during the week. So I'm interviewing him, and the first time I interviewed him, you know, he's got this kind of uh, uh, personality and energy that's kind of like a defensive guy. Like, you start talking about hitting, and all of a sudden he lights up. And I was like, you know, that's that's interesting. So now the next time I'm calling the game, I ask him, and, you know, we're talking again. And he's like, my favorite player on my team, usually quarterbacks would say they're wide receivers. (laughs) But if not, they're wide receivers, like a tight end. He's like, yeah, man, my, my favorite player is Hendricks. He's like, wait, what? That's a linebacker. He's like, yeah, man, I just love the way he plays. He's just so awesome, man. I want my kids, I, I swear he says, I want my kids to grow up and play like him if they go to the NFL. And I was like, what the, this is a, a quarterback. He's making like $100 million, and he's talking about the linebacker Hendricks that he wants to have his sons be like. And I was like, you know, this guy – then I go back to the Washington days. You like that? You yeah. like that? And I was like, you know what? This guy's a linebacker, man. If he could do it all over <laughs> again, he would go and he would he would try to knock someone's head off. So okay. it was a, a biggest so, compliment ever. So
2: it's the fire. Okay. Um, oh, yeah.
1: When Bryant and I were doing
2: a show probably in October or so, uh, I think Kirk um, is about a top 12, top 10 quarterback, depending on the afternoon. I think Bryant said about top 12, top 15 – um, where would you place him on the spectrum if you uh, care to opine on that?
1: I would put him I I would put him top ten. Ten? I would put him top ten. He he's done a better job. So you, you have to kind of take his season and kind of chop it into parts. First part of the season, <laughs> he was definitely stressing, forcing the issue too much. And I would have, I would have been like Big Mac and put him in top fifteen at best, turning the ball over way too much. Um, and then all of a sudden, it clicked in his head that he's got this run game, he's got Dalvin Cook, uh, he's got these Pro Bowl wide receivers, so he doesn't have to force the issue. And as soon as he kind of relaxed and. I said it in one of my broadcasts where he was just much more composed and relaxed. Mm -hmm. He was sort of lightening up, especially in the second half and in the fourth quarter he was lighting it up and it wasn't a lot of throws It's that those throws they're just like so valuable. So to speak, he was getting 18, 20 yards, you know, these big plays. And uh, when, when a quarterback now is kind of in that zone, that's where I moved him up to top 10 because he just he just started to see the game differently. It was a lot slower for him. Uh, he was trusting his guys, trusting his teammates, and he was making the right decision.
2: Okay. Yeah, Kirk does does go on stretches like that. I'm glad you touched on the first month of the season because it was – there was a lot of doldrums. It was um, bad. It was. Bryant, yeah. <laughs> after you've seen um, kind of Kirk's rejuvenation over the past month and a half – you still keep them in that top 15, top 12, or where are you at now? Because I mean, you and I will get to... Uh... I would still say
3: now between like 10 and 12. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, That's what you got?
2: <laughs> All right, Jonathan, this is a Minnesota Vikings show. Naturally, we're going to ask you about the 2009 NFC Championship in which you went on to win a Super Bowl um we have our opinions and resentments about the quote unquote, bounty gate so i'd like to give you a chance to dispel any myths or confirm any truths about bounty gate
1: all right here's what here's what i gotta say just
2: it just snickered at me so for the folks that are listening
1: we have the yeah, video snickered. he just
2: scoffed at me I just,
1: I just snickered here's what i gotta say about <laughs> bounty gate
3: Okay, you
1: said enough. no. <laughs> that's it? <laughs> and that's what I got to say about Bounty Gate. <laughs> well, and along with
4: that, you know, like the game – whatever off the field stuff or let onto the field aside, like the, as a fan, the Vikings had many opportunities like to win. So the interception, the fumbles, the out gaining by whatever a couple hundred yards that it was. So I'm not going to say that that was the reason that we lost. So even as a Vikings fan, I can look at the actual game and, and step away from that. But one question I do have where maybe not pertaining to that, do you think the punishment and the fines and penalties that the league kind of came down on, On that do you think that all that was warranted and it was fair like from your perspective uh
1: i i thought and obviously i'm speaking from a biased uh perspective but i thought it was definitely excessive and you look at the climate of the nfl at the time the nfl was was changing you know the nfl goes through these iterations uh every you know couple generations and we were on essentially the cusp of the change in uh, the way the NFL was being played, and it was going from you know the if, if you guys remember the those pre pregame shows before Monday Night Football, you got knocked out. You're like those types. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembers those types where it was all like the big hits up. and stuff. <laughs> Jacked up, exactly. Yeah. So you know they it, that's the era that Bryant, and myself, we grew up on, and right. we grew up on, and we played in that era. We we're just on the tail end of it, so because we're on the tail end of it, and now it's kind of like a, an iteration where it's more offensive-minded, protective players, etc. This was right at the time with the concussions, and now it's a, a hot topic. And so, they wanted to kind of set an example, right? And the example was going to be myself, my teammates, Sean Payton, etc. And uh, that was going to be now the, oh, okay, we're the, I don't want to say scapegoats, we're, we're the example of the past and now we're moving into this protect the players you can't hit a quarterback high you can't hit a quarterback low you can't hit a quarterback sideways you know if you sneeze on them that depends on thing. the quarterback though yeah <laughs> oh, that's, true. that's
2: true hey brian hey, brian you'll have another boots on the ground perspective um on some of the the hits and whatnot so as a member of the vikings uh who was you know seconds away from the super bowl what's your take on it
3: well, for me, I didn't really see the hits to the next day, because mm-hmm. I was still blocking. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I didn't see the like, watch you film. Like next, or, you know, they wanted to bring it to our attention, because even though we were, like, leaving, they still, like, showed us some of the film. Um, so I was like, well, dang, I didn't realize that. I'm like, well, nobody called anything. So it was over at that point anyway, you know? So mm-hmm. it was, like, really nothing you could do um, anymore. So my main thing was probably more of the turnovers, you know, that we had, where we, had, we weren't having all these fumbles you know, throughout the season, and we had, like, three or so, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and then the interception, and we had a fumble, like, on the two-yard line yeah. going in. So, like, those type of things that we r- really didn't do, I feel like cost us more than probably the late hits, because Brett's a tough guy, and I feel like Brett still, you know, was getting up and battling through all that he was going through, but um, I feel like some of the fumbles uh, was killing momentum, and basically he was... Eliminating touchdowns. It's funny you say minute. that, Mac.
1: That was that was really our, our game plan. That whole season, you know, we had well, actually to start the season, we said one of the biggest issues defensively from our 08 year was that we didn't create enough takeaways. So that was the biggest emphasis going into training camp in the season. We took the ball away a lot. So once we got into the playoffs, we were like, All right, this is what got us here. So this is what we have to do if we want to win this game. This is what we absolutely must do. And, yeah, to your point, it was just trying to get the ball out. That, that was our biggest thing.
4: It worked. And the 12 <laughs> yeah. men in the huddle uh, didn't help after the timeout. So
1: Yeah, that was part of our defense, too. We said we're going to make sure they get 12 guys in the huddle <laughs> and then take them out of field goal range. So, yeah, that was part of our defense.
2: And, again, it
3: worked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh do you think Greg Williams'
4: coaching style is relevant uh in today's game?
1: His coaching style? Uh his, his coaching style is definitely relevant in today's game. Uh you, you always want to you know be an aggressor, especially defensively. You don't want to be on your heels. Uh if you're saying his demeanor or bravado the
2: perception is know, is he's dirty.
1: Yeah, so there's always been that perception since Bounty Gate. If you look at prior to that, people say he he had uh, defenses that played hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the one thing I'd always say that Greg Woods made sure to tell us, uh, for all the crazy stuff he would tell us, he was like, never hurt the team. And the biggest thing, you know, if you get a penalty, that's clearly a 15-yard penalty, you're hurting the team. So that was like one of the biggest things where it was like, hey, look, we, we know to kind of toe the line, but don't cross the line. And you know, you look at some of the some of the games that they said you know were uh, you know malicious or anything like that. And to Brian McKinney's point, we didn't have the penalties. Like we just we just played hard, and we played as hard as we could. And um, I wouldn't call him a dirty coach. Uh, I would say that the way his style of coaching do, does need to adjust. Uh, But I wouldn't call him a dirty coach, though. That's probably more of the fair word
4: um well switching gears i guess um you know kind of now at least you know thank you for touching on that i know i'm sure you get a lot of questions about that especially from vikings fans over the uh the time so um i appreciate your candid uh um, honesty on on some of that but um so switching gears um you know obviously you got the miami shirt on um i know the miami connection so one of the questions i have uh pertains to your draft class the 2004 with six first round picks um from miami that year and I I recall that vividly because Sean Taylor is one of my all-time favorite players. God rest his soul. Um, But tell me what that's like being a part of that historic draft class.
1: Man, to be quite honest, it started my freshman year. Uh, It was Big Mac's first year at, at UM. And we saw Damian Lewis go in the first round, Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne, Dan Morgan go in the first round. And, you know, I was just looking like, wow, I, I, I never realized how talented we were and, because you just compete. And, you know, Big Mac remembers, like, we we never talked about, oh, this guy's a first-rounder, this guy's a such-and-such. Yeah. Such. We just competed. So right. this is my freshman year. I'm, I'm 18 years old, and I'm just out there competing. And then come to find out, like, wow, th- these guys that I'm, I'm next to you know, they're, they're all getting drafted first round. So then the next year comes where Bryant gets drafted, Ed Reed gets drafted first round, Mike Rump, you know, uh, Jerome McDougall. Oh, no, he Shockey. was the next year. Yeah, Shockey. Shockey was a first rounder. And so, uh, you know, it, that's when, you know, guys like myself, Sean Taylor was a freshman at the time. We're looking and saying, all right, we don't have to worry about, you know, being first round. All we need to do is just keep competing. And we keep competing and practicing hard and playing hard. You know, clearly we're talented because we can compete with the guys that are getting drafted first round. So, um, you know, fast forward two years to the draft class, to my draft class, and that's really what it was. You know, myself, DJ, Vernon Carey, Kellen Winslow, Sean Taylor, Vince Wilford, we never really talked about it. To be quite honest, we just went out and we competed hard to sell. um, And we figured, look, the guys that we played with, practiced against, played and won a lot of games with they are going first round and if I can keep up with them well I can keep up with anybody and sure enough you know it was just kind of like uh you know everything fell in line with with my class having six guys get drafted in the first round.
4: So along with that just to elaborate a little more like with Sean Taylor for example I know obviously his the tragic situation that happened there um what 13 years ago now so Mm -hmm. how where do you think he would have ended his career as for terms of all time safety? Um, like I, cause I feel like his trajectory with the, being able to play the run, <laughs> the passing game, like, man, he was a thumper and he was excellent in coverage as
1: well. So, so think, think about what you said for a second. He was a thumper, he was violent and he could make plays on the ball. I would say any safety at six 240 pounds that can do that. He's Hall of fame, right? And so that's where that's where I would have put him with his talent. But going back to kind of the changing of the guard with the NFL, his style of play would have very quickly been uh perceived as dirty because he was he came in and like you said, oh four in in kind of the, the last end of that era where you could still be violent and you can make hits wide receivers coming across the middle and people celebrated that. Then all of a sudden on brian and my way out your regard as a dirty player you if you swipe a guy that's coming across the middle like all of a sudden now that's that's frowned upon like james harrison kind of went through it right he was considered a beast and then all of a sudden because of the change of the guard the 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 tone changed on james harrison when all of a sudden he's now considered a dirty player and i'm like this is just the same guy that mm. played hard as hell so I, I, I would have I, – I say Hall of Fame as a status, but I would have seriously been concerned that he would not have been able to adjust his game, the physicality of his game, to the new era. Like, it, it just wasn't in him. He, he was he – It was, wasn't in him at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> he, he
3: was – He didn't lap at the practice. pro bowl. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so even significant – had a big hit than interception.
2: Okay. Significantly lower on the totem pole for that uh, comparison. Yeah. Vikings had that had that too with Andrew Sandejo. Um, he came in, uh, I believe, 2010, and he was a starter for the Vikings um, right around, I think, 2012, and. Yeah. It was still in the gray area where you could get away with some of that, and then toward the end of his stint with the Vikings, both of them, he became a liability because it was just roughing, uh, roughing the passer. Un- yeah, unnecessary roughness penalties. And to, to exactly to your point, Jonathan, when I was 22 years old, we used to—that's what we craved and lived for. And now you, you find yourself going, "Oh God, no!" When that happens, because you know it's going to be cool. a paradigm shift in the game. So uh, I completely agree with what you're saying there. Uh, Jonathan, how many times did uh, you and
4: Bryant face off and practice uh, in college? And why did Bryant always get the best of you?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that, that's not a, a misleading question at all. Right? Okay. So to answer the first part, and I was actually going to give this guy credit. Like, I, I was going to say, fortunately, I did not have to go against him too much in practice. But now I want to talk a little trash since everybody. That <laughs> that
0: you I have nothing
3: to do with that question.
1: <laughs> no, are uh, McKinney's yeah. henchman. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I was because uh, you know we played you know typical four three cover two. So fortunately, I didn't have to go against Bryant. And to be honest, I didn't know how good Bryant was until uh, it's our freshman year, and they kind of just. Put him in as a starter. I'm like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what the <what is> <laughs> yeah, fuck
1: oh, okay, how did that happen? And then uh, you know, the next year, he's uh, he's getting all, all this all these accolades deserved preseason hype and preseason all American. And uh, I'll never forget the big showdown was Bryant McKinney versus Dwight Freeney. Like that was the showdown, and mind you, I'm a defensive guy. I'm supposed to be studying Syracuse's offense, but I was like, "Well, I want to see this too." Man. I see what happens here, you know? Like, all right, let's see what happens. Okay, all right. And then, you know, sure enough, we we beat them. We we beat them badly, like fifty nine nothing. And Dwight Freeney had no sacks, and I was like, "Oh, hey, you hey, pretty good. Yeah, You didn't believe in me, y'all. Hey.
4: No sacks in college, right, B Mac? Yeah. Yeah, no.
1: Big Mac, man. Big Mount Mac. McKinney so, was flawless. <laughs> it, it wasn't that I didn't believe in you, Big Mac. It was that there was so much hype going into the game of like just think about how many times in college you hear of the quarterback matchup, you know, running back, rarer, yeah. there's only it's rare that you hear everyone talking about offensive tackle versus defensive end, like that is the marquee matchup all game long, hyped it up yeah. all week. So and, uh, hey, man, yeah, Big Mac showed up, man. He showed up, he showed out. <laughs> showed up, showed up.
3: So
4: now right. you said you played uh, kind of in that 4-3 scheme in Miami, and I know with the Jets you were more of a 3-4 middle linebacker there, but um, what did you enjoy more? Did you enjoy playing downhill against the run more or dropping back in coverage?
1: No, I was definitely downhill. It was old school. Uh, it, it took a while for me to – you know, not it wasn't understand coverages. It was under it was to take away my urge to like shoot up on the guy in front of you. So we always talked about don't take the cheese. So when we use spot drop and zone. The good offenses they'll have like a little wide receiver or running back check down right in front of you, just so that a wide receiver or tight end would be right behind you for like fifteen yards. And man, it took me a while to not bite up on the guy in front because. You know, as a linebacker,s like you see, everything is downhill. So I'm like, I see this. I don't see this guy behind me. So he he doesn't exist. I'm gonna knock this guy out. Uh, so it was definitely being going downhill, man. That was that was the game right there.
2: Well, we touched on the NFC Championship, Um, but uh, outside of that, you played the Vikings, Jonathan, four different times in your career. Um So. Aside from that MC Championship, can you share one of your best or most memorable or worst Vikings uh, memories? Anything that comes to mind?
1: Uh, most memorable would be I have uh, two. All right. Well, I'll give you true. I'll give you one. Well, right. I'll give you the short one. I'll give you the short <laughs> one, I'll give you the other one. Uh, we play we play the Vikings to start the 2010 season. And I have pulled this my fingernail game. Yes. Okay. So you, I remember that game and I had pulled my groin like week two of preseason. So I'm rehabbing, rehabbing, rehabbing. And I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to play in this game. So uh, I'll never forget. Coach is like, you know, it's okay to sit out. And the reason why is because Adrian Peterson. So he's like, it's okay to sit out. You know, they AP is he's that dude. So you know it's okay and you know linebackers were tough guys were idiots so i'm like no i'm playing i'm playing (laughs) and i mean i'll never forget it was like first series and he just catches like a a little check down and i think i'm gonna go up and make a tackle and he goes and just "Ah, ah, ah," just doesn't move on me and i swear i did not touch the guy and i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my groin is like, oh, split out of different ways, and I was just like, oh, this was just a horrible mm-hmm. idea, so I had had to sit out, and coach was like, yeah, what did I tell you? And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but the best one was, we went up to Minnesota in 2011, we went up there, and it wasn't, wasn't a good team, but Adrian Peterson was still the guy, so I'll never forget that our whole defense was just based on stopping Adrian Peterson. So we go and we think we have this great game plan and all all our corners are going to fill and then we're going to like turn everything back in. And I shit you not, this guy like did some magic or something because he still was just ripping us. And we're like, how is this possible that this one guy, the only person that we're trying to stop all game, we're like, we don't care if they pass for five thousand yards. We just want to stop this one guy. <laughs> and he was still giving us the business, man. He he didn't get a hundred, but he was he was good, man. He was good. He was one of the best I ever faced. He was good.
4: Um well one um I guess one of my final questions here, um, as, as of now, um, what what's the one th- and I know you're close to the game now being back in the broadcast booth, but what's the one thing that you miss most about playing?
1: Oh, the locker room. No no doubt. I miss the locker room at UM. That was the most fun I ever had. For, most fun in a four-year span that I ever had. Yeah, locker I agree. UM. <laughs> yeah, right, There was man, a lot of right. big personalities in there. <laughs> oh, man. We had so, you know, that was that was a great life lesson to be quite honest. And like Big yeah, yeah. Mac said, we had so many, like, big personalities. Personalities, like, was,
4: yeah. If what's it like then, with those big personalities in a party yeah. town like Miami as college <laughs> students for the football team that clearly you guys are the big men on campus. Like what's well, that? That's gotta be a different lifestyle.
1: Yeah. And you saw, we got ourselves in trouble. <laughs> 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 it was, it was a lot of fun, man. So, you know, just imagine like it, it was a hundred players on the team and you got no joke about 40 not just like alpha males, like alpha alpha, right, Mac? Like just yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog, dog, dog you know. And uh, <laughs> that that was it. Created some very, very interesting, funny <laughs> moments. <laughs> very interesting. But the locker room, man, I miss it. NFL locker room was a little more business like. Yeah. Um, exactly. But when I got to the Saints, it was it, it was as close to um as I had been around in in my pro career going going there. So definitely a locker
2: room we had Devin Hester on last week to prepare for the Bears game which ultimately was a Bears win over the Vikings and he said the same thing as you Jonathan about I think Ron asked him if he had a better time in the pros or in college, and both Bryant and Devin uh, said college. And I don't know if that's because you guys were able to get in that trouble or if it was just more relaxed or what it was, but everybody's saying the same thing,
4: so it must be true. We,
1: we had a nice mix of getting into trouble and winning games. <laughs> yeah. guess no better than that. <laughs> guess no better than that. All's There's forgiven you. if
4: you're winning, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: stepping back into that Miami locker room. If uh, the turnover chain was around uh, when oh. you
0: were playing, would you have <laughs> rocked it?
1: <laughs> oh, 1,000%. Man, let me tell you something. When that four years ago, when they first rocked that turnover chain, I'll never forget the first game. Very, it was Bethune-Cookman. They pulled that thing out, and I'm watching, and I'm like, why didn't we think of that? I was <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, how did we not think of that, man? We went to texting each other, like, hey, did you just see that? You see that chain? <laughs> like, what the? Oh my goodness! And I'll never forget the the first D lineman. It was a D lineman. That guy. I can't remember his name, but he got it, and he didn't really know how to act with it. Like he got it, he put it on, he kind of just sat there. He didn't realize how cool he was until everybody was like, "Whoa, man, <laughs> and that thing! Oh, I would have rocked that thing so hard! Like that, that would have had us play. That would have played hard. <laughs> we played hard. That would have had us right. play real hard."
2: So, oh, yeah. so who who came up with that? I'm not a huge college brain. Who came up with that? Do we know?
1: So it was uh, a mix of Manny Diaz. He was a defensive coordinator at the time. Uh, one of our uh, former offensive linemen, Joel Rodriguez, Big Mac. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, who uh, who I forgot who put him in contact with uh, the jeweler. Um, I can't remember who put him in contact with the jeweler, but it was like a collaborative effort where Manny was like, we really need something to, like, get them going. Going back to creating takeaways, they, they weren't creating enough. He was like, we need to get something to get them going. It was him, or Mike Rump. That's, that's who it was. Okay. Mike Rumpf, Joel Rodriguez, they collaborate on that. And I, to be quite honest, I thought they should have retired it after that season. Like, it, it got no better than a 10-game win streak, yeah. uh, first in college and takeaways at the time, like, it got no better than that, man. It was just awesome.
2: Okay, Jonathan, the last two questions for you, and then we'll get you uh, get you on out of here. Um, how far will the Saints make it in the playoffs this season?
1: Ooh, good question. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the. I'm just playing the seating out of my head right now. Uh, they would be playing the Bucks, right?
2: I think at the uh, yeah at the moment.
1: At the moment, they'd be playing the Bucks. They would win that. Um, and then after that, they're playing the highest of the seeds left, which I would take would be... Not the East. <laughs> no, definitely. God, no, not the East. <laughs> I'm looking at a Rams or, or Seattle. And, uh, you know, I think they'd be playing Arizona right now. But either way... You know, they would have to really get the run game established again. Uh, The defense has to adjust to playing these mobile quarterbacks. So you look at the Cardinals, Seattle, these mobile quarterbacks that they could definitely have issues with. Um, You know, with Brady, it was easy because he's a statue back there and it fits perfectly for that defense. Um, So I could see them, you know, divisional round, definitely. They they got to correct a few things if they want to get to the championship round.
2: Yeah, the other thing, I was writing an uh, article today about this matchup, <clears throat> some stuff that people might not know about, this, about the stats and whatnot, and I hadn't realized how much or how frequently the Saints have been penalized this year. They're the most penalized team in the NFL. Um, it's about 67 yards per game. and yeah. so. I think that can be cleaned up, but uh, that's not going to help come playoff time if, it's, uh, if it still lingers there. Yeah. All right, the last one, and we appreciate you joining, Jonathan. Um, this one's kind of a softball. Give us your Super Bowl prediction.
1: That's not a softball. That's <laughs> Listen, Half the Vikings fans hate me. Actually, probably like 80% hate me because they think I'm a dirty player. So now I'm going to make this prediction. It's going to be wrong, and I'm going to get all the Instagram posts from all these Vikings fans about how I don't know shit and I don't know football, and I need to, I need to just get done, be done, just move far, far away from football. But, uh, man. Not
4: all Vikings fans are like that, but the ones who are the most vocal are the ones that are probably the most idiots. So <laughs>
1: yeah, I, look, <laughs> to be fair. Trust me, I, I've heard it all. And I just laugh at the, the half of it. Actually, some of it's pretty funny, creative. <laughs> But uh, definitely AFC, Kansas City. Okay. Uh, but actually, oof, I could see the Bills really giving Kansas City a run for their money. Really giving them a run for their money. But in this scenario, I'm going to go Kansas City. And I'm going to go with – I'll take Green Bay, but it's uh, – I'm very hesitant. Here's why I'm hesitant. They will give you that one crappy game at the worst time. (laughs) Thank (laughs) God. Right. And I I you just don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. Yeah. And uh though they've got everything you want, pass rusher and Zadarius. Obviously, they got a quarterback, run game is there, like. Everything you want, but they'll just man. They'll wet the bed one time. Or get
4: allergic to tackling at times.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And you, yeah, you just game. don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, I don't get it. You know, I just don't get it. So, you know, I'll, I'll take them because when they're on, they're on. Uh, but I, I say that with a lot of hesitation.
2: One thing um, that I don't, kind of along that lines, that uh, I don't understand is why the Titans don't get much love. It's like people think they're a fluke. They've got probably the best running back, if not second best in the game. I think Ryan Tannehill has shown enough to prove that he's not a game manager. I think he's an upper echelon quarterback. And then you've got Vrabel coaching the defense. But Mm -hmm. nobody, none of the national punditry, to me, seems to believe that they can challenge anybody. And I think think they've got the blueprint with defense, ability to run the ball, and then a quarterback who can make the throws. But it's just not a sexy uh, talking point to take them.
1: I I would agree. It's not sexy. I would also say, Dustin, that they have not shown the ability to have a counter off of Henry. So let's say yeah. Henry doesn't go for buck 75 to, to win a game, right? If he goes for only 75, they haven't shown the ability, the, the other dimension to their game or the other counter punch to their game on the offensive side. Like Tannehill is good, really good, but he's been really good when the run game is really effective. Mm-hmm. When you shut down the run game, take a look at the Colts game. Matter of fact, yeah. Colts in Tennessee, you shut it down. He has, he becomes average. He is in Henry becomes average, and Tannehill becomes average. So I can see why it's not making national headlines until they give me that extra, that counter punch, that extra. Uh to their game, yeah, uh, and it starts with Tannehill giving me, you know, 300 yards. You show me one time, 303 three TDs, right? That, yeah. I just need one time to see to yeah. know that it's legit.
4: Without the running game being established, you mean Yeah, that. correct. He's
1: Without put- the running game being established, right. Yeah, and he's got, got like, 31 touchdowns. I love, school, yeah. I love their old school ground and pound smash-mouth football, but if you can contain it, you have a really, really good chance of winning
4: it feels like they have a hard time or where I see them having a hard time is coming from behind, like getting ahead and keeping that lead. Like they can pile on the points, no but doubt. when they're behind, it's almost like the Baltimore Ravens in a sense where um, nothing against Lamar. I think he's fantastic, but coming from behind has been a problem for him. And if they get a two score yes. lead, they like, cause then Henry's a, a thousand percent, a little mitigated. So,
1: Lamar's issue is what? Vertical balls right right now. Mm -hmm. He's had a huge issue getting the ball down the field vertically. He can run. He can do all the short passes. But like you said, when you need those deep balls in the vertical passing game, he struggled.
2: All right, Brian, do you have anything else for us this week? Nothing. We pretty much covered everything. No? Okay. All right, Jonathan. Well, we appreciate you joining the show. And what game you got this week, personally?
1: I got Philly at Dallas. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dallas fighting for uh, the division. Yeah. They, it's, it's They got that game, and at the same time is Washington at Carolina because if Washington loses, Dallas is first in the East. If Washington <laughs> wins, they knock out Dallas. So it's going to be one of those you're watching the game, looking at the score, watching the game, looking at the score. Mm-hmm,
4: yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with that being your game, and obviously I'm sure you've done a lot of uh, more of the background work behind Jalen Hurts, what's your opinion on him? And uh, kind of, I know, with the two starts under his belt, do you think that it's sustainable with his success so far, at least on the field?
1: Uh, I, I think he has a lot of potential. Um, he he did very well in his, in his starts. What I saw, though, was um, a quarterback that he's not a full field quarterback. Like, he doesn't go through all four or five of his progressions. Uh, Doug Pearson makes it easy with the back, getting out of the backfield a lot. Um, And, um, you know, he'll he'll have to continue to grow in in that regard. But as far as the athleticism, the toughness, uh, understanding what Doug Pearson wants in that offense, getting the ball out quickly, I I think he's as good as you're going to get right now. And uh, to be honest, I don't know where Wentz goes, but it's not going to be Philly next year. I don't know where he goes. He won't be at Philly, though.
2: I think the Colts make the most sense that Frank Reich can bring him back if, if indeed Rivers is moving on or done. Um, but mm. it's a, it's such a i it's hard pressed to find a guy that had relative sustained sustained success for sixteen seventeen for about four years.
1: I, uh, we've seen it, sophomore slumps, him, but you give him a full four years. Here, that's that's always been my issue. Do you? Yeah. You give him most of one season where he was lights out and yeah. there's no no knocking that after that He's every time he down. was on the cusp of having a good season he got hurt or he didn't yeah. really have a good season it, that's <laughs> that's just what it's been
2: yeah all right well fair enough well that's all we got for tonight tune mm-hmm. in to the vikings and saints on christmas day i believe it is 4 30 p.m eastern time um but we will uh talk to you next week to preview the lions game and skull vikings Oh <laughs>